May the words of my lips and the thoughts of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, it's delightful to be with you here today and uh, challenging, I think, to engage with some of those readings for us. And I'd just like to open up some of what I think is the, the narrative that the readings contain. And behind them, I think, a predicament that humanity always struggles with. The first reading seems to be um, a quirky kind of one, isn't it? How, you know, you have these, these two brothers, and they're in this... I'm going to be told to turn my one thing off or another thing on. Or... I'll probably turn them both off now. <laughs> Thank you. We'll get the technology working. Not on. Um, there's two brothers, Isaac and Esau, and uh, this, this is the kind of situation. How is it that you can get uh, people who, I think, you know, the longer story is there's different people groups, and this is kind of a legendary story that's trying to explain why you have, uh, you know, difference amongst people, difference amongst community. And you can imagine in the ancient world, people lived in quite tiny communities. And if they went back far enough, you know, there were people often of an oral tradition, they would be able to explain, well, you know, someone would be able to say, well, back then, way back then, we were related to each other in some way, but we're sort of different now and we're a different community. You have to imagine this is something of the background in trying to understand uh, how it is that some different attributes or traits are ascribed to the descendants of one of these ancestors or another. And the story is told about Esau because oh, he, is, um, you know, he was the hunter, he was the man almost of the spontaneity of the uh, dive in and do something, he's, he's hungry, so yeah, no problem, I'll sell my birthright for a, a nice meal of stew or something, lentil stew. And the other, more crafty, you know, perhaps it is a, perhaps it is a metaphor of people who are townspeople, contrasted to country people, and why it is the townspeople seem to have, you know, the, the smart dealings with people, and some others seem to be a bit simpler, a bit more spontaneous. I think it's something like a legendary story around that we have in that reading from Genesis, and of course the predicament is that. We live in a world, a world that always has been a world of inequality. A world where we're always in danger of believing that that inequality is somehow ordained by God or is the consequence of a decision in that Genesis story of a, an ancestor. You know, we're in this situation, we're kind of ignorant country people compared to those hustling smart townspeople because of a decision our ancestor way back made, and that's kind of how things are. What can we do about it? And we see this, and some people have probably had experiences in different parts of the world of this. You know, we know in some places there are quite clear delineations, whether it's about uh, economic class, whether it's about caste, whether it's about gender, whether it's about other kinds of differences between people where it is as if some people are almost brought up intergenerationally, feel there's a ceiling, and they shouldn't even reach above that ceiling. 
and they should be simply accepting. This is the way things are. This is the way it is. This is the way that, you know, you can't dream of it of any different. And I think when you look at the reading we had from Paul's uh, letter to the Romans, we see the disruption to that kind of a worldview that Christianity brought. And Paul is speaking about, really about that disruption. He's saying there's two principles. There's, he says, the law of the flesh and the law of the spirit. And so I think, you know, when he's talking about law of the flesh, he's saying about all these things that people say are about how people are, who they might become, what are their possibilities, what are not their possibilities, how they may exist. And sometimes those things are very cruel. One of our clergy uh, who uh, has an ancestry in Sri Lanka and India was just telling me the story the other day that her... Um, her family were uh, in what was broadly, you know, when I suppose the British went to India, called an untouchable class. They were people who had no part in the in ritual purity of those things. But they had been um, evangelized by Christian missionaries back in the, probably as early as the 18th century. They had learnt new things, they had prospered, they had become uh, business people and uh, craftsmen and tradespeople. They'd taken advantage because they were, you know, they encountered people who saw that they didn't have the limitations of that kind of caste system over them, but they were made in the image and likeness of God and they flourished in that. But still, the society around them saw them in this restricted way. And their restrictions were such that they had to visibly be shown to be inferior people. Neither the men nor the women could wear any body covering above their waist. They all had to have. Their, their bodies uncovered from the waist up. It was part of the rules of the society. And I think it was even just only about 100 years ago, the men of that community went on a, had a big, kind of like a strike, a big political exercise to gain, at least for the women in their community, the right to be able to wear upper body covering. That was only 100 years ago. And you see, we, we could probably find around the world many circumstances, many situations today for whatever reason, sometimes to do with these kind of identities that Paul would say are about the law of the flesh. You know, tribal identities, class identities, caste identities, whatever they might be. Sometimes even citizenship identities. And we can see how cruel they can be for people who are kept in these kind of uh, uncertain things about their life for many years, not just in Australia, but in many other countries. But that's what Paul's talking about, the law of the flesh. And contrasted to that, he's saying there is a law of the spirit. And the spirit is dynamic. The spirit is the force of God, which, as Paul explains it, comes in and disrupts and changes and brings all the purposes of God to fruition in the world. It overcomes the law of the flesh. Where the law of the flesh might be content with some of these kinds of things which uh, happen in every society, the law of the spirit comes to disrupt and to free and to liberate people to be who they might be in the reality of being people created in the image and likeness of God. And I think for us in our life as Christians, 
we need to be challenged by some of those things as well. Because it's very easy for us, just in the encounters we have in our world around us, to kind of form, you know, our conclusions according to the law of the flesh. And it's easy enough to do that, I suppose. I get in, I, I, when I've been in London, I know there's kind of an unbreakable rule there, you can't speak to people on the tube. You ever been to London and heard about that? You, everyone sits there looking very staring and can't look around sideways, no one smiles or talks to each other. They kind of engage with people, because you know, I'm Australian, what do I know, I'll get away with it. Once I was on the tube and there was this big guy, he was a really, really big man, and he was holding a teddy bear, he's a big, uh, you know, like probably Afro-Caribbean man, big black man holding this teddy bear, and everyone was kind of looking a bit, you know, keeping away from me. So I, you know, being my cheerful Australian self, I went up to him and said, oh, someone's going to be so happy when you take that teddy bear home. And he said, oh, yes, he told me a beautiful story about his little son and how proud he was of this little child he was going to be, you know. And we had this lovely, happy conversation. But see, the law of the flesh is that you think, oh, well, this guy, you know, different to me, uh, this might all end up a bit badly. But see, the law of the spirit breaks down those divisions. And I think there's this silly, trivial example. But I know in societies I've been in, I've had this similar experience in the US. I was staying in, uh, in Kansas City, in, uh, as they call it there, Missouri. And uh, I was uh, riding the buses around because I didn't have a car. I was just there as a visiting scholar at one of the universities for a fortnight. And a lot of people when we went to churches, you know, they were kind of, um, I suppose, people that they perceived I was like them, you know, sort of um, Anglo-American kind of people. And they, and they were amazed. They said, what? You're riding the buses? I said, yeah. And they said, what's it like? We've never been on a bus. <laughs> now, I'm not mocking them because I don't think I've been on many buses in Melbourne. There are plenty of trams, but, you know, my needs don't seem to take me on buses, so I'm not ridiculing them. But see, it's easy to be in a place where you simply don't know, you don't encounter others. And I think in a local community, sometimes we've got to face those challenges as well. Because in every time where we are as Christians, God calls us, I think at least to do two things carry the good news of the gospel into a new generation and to carry the good news of the gospel across cultures because uh, that's always how the story of Christianity has come down to us. Someone in their generation has told it to a, the next generation or the next generation and someone has reached out across the boundaries of all of those cultural differences of language, all of those things that Paul might say are the things that are defined by the law of the flesh and motivated by the law of the spirit shared the good news of the gospel with the people that they worked with that they had as neighbors that they encountered in their markets or in their interactions and and so i just invite you to reflect on who might be the kind of people that you wouldn't interact with in that way with the good news of the gospel because the law of the flesh, as Paul says, is very strong. But it is the law that leads, as he says, to death. And it's the law, if we followed it in the church, would lead to the death of our message because we wouldn't do those two things. We wouldn't carry it into a new generation because we, you know, we might think, wow, these kids are not like we know, we don't know how to talk to them. Or we don't carry it across the differences of culture because we think that, well, these people wouldn't be interested. You know, I, I, won't, I won't say anything, I'll, you know, I'll just be quiet. 
got up my business quietly. And that would be what Paul, I think, would argue is uh, following the law of the flesh, not the law of the spirit. And then in our gospel reading, Jesus speaks really about rather a similar thing, but he talks about how to take root, the gospel must be uh, in, as he says, you know, the, the fertile soil, the sower. There's lots of people who get a bit of a glimpse of things and a bit of a spur, he's saying, but, but for people to more deeply make their journey as Christian disciples, they need to go into the deep roots. And so as you have opportunity of different opportunities of study, perhaps you have Bible studies that are offered at different times of Lent or Advent, things within the parish, it's really good to take those things of going deeper, of finding those opportunities. How we can be like the seed planted in the good soil that, as Jesus says, produces an abundant, you know, a super abundant uh, productivity, a harvest. Hundredfolds of what, a, what the, the source has been, it's uh, so overflowing in its uh, abundance that contrasted to the people who uh, have the cares of the world, in Paul's language, the law of the flesh, come and overtake them, that those who can find the law of the spirit and work in their life, they become the fertile and the deep ground in which uh, the gospel message can take place. So, in every, every place around uh, our, our responsibilities here in the Greater Melbourne area, we're encouraging local communities to just discern, see and consider where are the opportunities, at least in those two directions, of carrying the gospel into a new generation and carrying the gospel across the boundaries of cultural difference because they would require some effort and uh, in, a, you know, in a, a wonderful way, I often say to people who come from a, a different background to mine, if you come from a background that is not from sort of Northern Europe in your ancestry, probably in our society, strangely enough, you will have vastly more permission to talk about your faith than others of us seem to easily have. It's, it's a paradox. We live in a very secularized society where uh, in many respects, the great danger of a secular society is that people in a secular society think they know everything about Christianity, even if they don't, and they generally don't want to hear any more because they've got a closed view. And I think we see there are some strong secularizing forces at work, and Victoria would be probably one of the foremost parts of the country that uh, we are in a, a very secular environment. So I think we have uh, many opportunities we all have those opportunities, but I think some will have even unexpected opportunities of, of being heard in, in a way perhaps even more deeply because of the background you come from than some of us might have because of the backgrounds we come from. Who can say? But that's not to discourage anyone from being uh, one who speaks the good news of the gospel. It's something that we are all called to do and to be in our lives. So bless you in your journey of Christian faith in this community and uh, what a, a great place to be present at and uh, all the stories that must be part of this which I'd love to learn a bit more deeply about how it is that we come to be in this precinct with this kind of magnificent historic building and then all of the things that have happened perhaps in uh, the, the living and uh, leading time of members here for this to be built. So bless you each.
And may God continue to strengthen us and protect us in all that we do in His name. Amen. Amen.